0: We did not come here. We come from here. We hatched here. These are our forests.
1: Now, hang on. Before we actually go into the theme song and the introductions of this, I just want to take a, a moment to say, Michael started this out by going silence on board. You've never done that before. What does that even mean?
2: <laughs> well, silence in the library it was just taking. And he still has not heard my idea of an intro.
0: Well, because you said it wasn't
2: library? good
1: enough and decided not to do well, it. Well, Michael knows me. He knows that I want to say it. He just has to pressure me a little more.
3: All right, do it. Uh, cue the music. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: And Welcome to the Hoovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. Colin's my name,
3: reviewing is my game. <laughs> and I hate him.
1: <laughs> I'm Jake.
0: And tonight we're going to dive into the Forest of the Dead, the uh, <laughs> second part of a two-part Stephen Muffet story from series four. Ooh, one of my least favorite forests,
3: the library. <laughs>
2: well, there's not a whole lot of branches or leaves. And can I also say that my intro was also kind of clever? It was, it's a screwdriver. It works in the dark, which Colin and I had issue with.
1: I had issue with that, too, especially because he, like, immediately then jumps to, oh, but the moon is out, so then that makes sense. I mean, the other guy must have been sitting there going, like, oh, my God, my suggestion was totally valid if the real answer was that the moon is out.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I guess this episode will have to be rated poorly.
2: I guess you have to give it a three. That's all, guys. See ya. Bye. No,
1: I mean, I think the Doctor pretty repeatedly is addicted to people.
2: Yeah.
1: So, Colin and Jace, what
0: did you think about Donna's plight into
3: another world in this episode? Oh my gosh! Like I thought, like it was one of the more interesting parts of this episode, just to open up into the computer system. Um, like this, this is what I think keys in on that intellectual piece that I was missing in last episode. That wasn't really flourished or fleshed out a little bit. But we see Donna, you know, in this matrix of another life in this virtual reality that is like a dream, and then we see her grieving over her fake children and over her what we seem to see at the end her real relationship
2: yeah with that the husband was... even
3: even though I, I suppose they were only spending meaningful seconds together yeah. and everything else was being but it felt put like together forever. by computers
2: I thought it was interesting to see Donna's side of the things because there's Because in this episode, what I really liked is they didn't answer any questions till the very, very end. So most of the time, we had no idea what was going on, which made, you know, the Doctor and River's relationship kind of like the main part in the story until everything kind of unravels at the end. But I liked Donna's range of acting here because she knows... Nothing is really real, but her emotions take over. So it's just a conflict of the mind and the heart. And to see her just bawling her eyes out over her kids that she knows aren't real, but she won't accept isn't real, and just freak out over that. I just thought that was like a really kind of scary moment, because that's kind of the stuff you get to deal with when you're with the doctor. It's a little more realistic. Yeah. yeah.
3: Just like the, the ideas that it has just been memory and how it works. Oh, know?
1: it was terrifying. Yeah.
3: So, like, could we all be just, like, you know, maybe we were born a second ago with all the memories that we've had.
2: They say, Uh, like, when you're dying, the last seven seconds of your life is flashed before your eyes, and there's always that argument of what if you're living in those seven seconds right now, and it just feels like you're living life, and it's just an endless cycle of existing. Information doesn't matter. Time.
0: For me, being a parent, too, back at the children thing, I was that scene really hit home for me. That's devastating.
1: Oh, yeah, even not being a parent yet, that's...
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I get that, but I'm just saying, when you have two kids at home and they're in bed and you're watching this story, it's like...
1: ah. Well, you know, and I thought it was actually like a perfect depiction of like when Donna was like, you don't understand, you don't have children, and she's like, neither do you. (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of dark. Oh, uh, And I actually, I thought it was, oof, it was chilling, like, when Dr. Moon, like, would just, at the beginning of the episode, would just be like, and then you remembered, or and then you forgot. And, like, people would just remember and forget things, like, oh my gosh, someone to have that much power Did over. Did they ever answer, like, who he actually, like, was? Yeah, is. he's the... He's um, the
3: the Dr. Moon. He's the moon. He's
1: the moon. Oh, uh, uh, he, the egg. He's a virus checker. No, the moon, the library's moon. Yeah, I know. He's a manufactured... Uh, thing and it, like, checks for viruses and keeps the computer running properly. So oh, so it's the antivirus. Yeah, and then, like, essentially, you know, it seemed, you know, in actuality to also protect Cal from, you know, different information that would be, like, harmful to her mentally or emotionally.
3: And I love how the name, you know, really translated and became an anthropomorphized, you know, doctor. <laughs> Dr. Moon. Yes! That was fun, you know. Would it happen like that? I, I don't know. Maybe it's up to Cal. Which which Cal is really the the thing running this all, you know? Yeah. Charlotte Abigail Lux, a descendant of, you know, one of the adventurers that comes in with River Song. Good memory. Um, is is running the show.
1: Oh, and that was such a great scene, too, when he came in and, and said that, because this whole time, he's been a, a jerk everyone and very pompous and very much like, oh, my family rights, and like, you know, and he's finally faced with the, like, the doctor's like, I could have done something more if I'd known more of this, and he's like, no, it's actually because I'm protecting my family, and it's just like such an innocent motivation that he's been, like, hiding under, you know a barrel of memposity (laughs) this whole time.
0: He actually ends up being a real person. Yeah. And that you can relate to and understand his motivations.
2: Instead of, like, that stereotypical dude who's just like, this is all about me, 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 I don't care about you. Kind of stereotype you see in these shows a lot.
1: Yeah. And for him it actually really came together just in one line, really.
2: (laughs) A lot more meaningful than a
1: patent. What about that one chick who came
2: back? Oh. Oh. Yeah, I was talking about the chick who came back. Miss Evangelista. I think that was her, yeah, the one in the black. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting touch how they just, like, messed up her face and just gave her, like, super smarticles.
3: Yeah. And I think that was the other, you know, deep philosophical moment of this episode, too. Um, You know, it's a double whammy. I think just, like, coming in with this line that, you know, What what's needed to kind of sense you know perfect truth or to get to it the best is both being brilliant and unloved. I don't know what you guys thought about that. I think there's some tragic truth. Like there's there's something called depressive realism too, where oftentimes people can have you know some more realistic expectations of things when their affect, their mood really is lower. And maybe, you know, not having the influences of those good things that everybody should have in life actually get you closer to some point of truth. I thought that was.
1: Yeah, but in most scenarios, it's not worth it. Um, obviously not not to say that that scenario it was, but I mean, I don't think that that's the only way of seeing truth. I think that anything that, you know, ultimate of a statement is probably has exceptions to it, um. I think that it's really tragic that she uh, was there and was like, I'm hideous and naturally I will be unloved and didn't seem to even try to, you know, change anything about it. I mean, she, I I don't know. It just, it sounded really uh, like a fatalistic type of approach to life in
2: general, too. Yeah, she just kind of, you know, accepted it. And based on what Colin said, I mean, I kind of feel like that is, True for the most part, only because you know, you know, with some as someone who has you know, mental health issues, you know, depression, anxiety, all that great stuff. Um, I don't like to personally kid myself with like it sounds stupid, but like hopes and all this kinds of stuff. You kind of tend to stay more realistic because you're so used to disappointment. So I feel like that kind of puts me at like not a happy medium, but like consistent across the board. So just to hit back on. Colin's part, that's pretty much the position she's in. She's like, Well, I have nothing else going for me. I, all I see is what I see. Yeah.
3: yeah I think it's definitely true when, when you're in love with someone, you know, everything can seem wonderful. Yeah, you know, past that to drug. You know? Talking about
0: in love,
3: Donna, of course,
0: falls in love in a computer world. Uh, so we...
1: Sorry, hang on. I just have one more thing to say about Miss Evangelista Let's before we move on. Um, at the end, when, like, Charlotte Abigail Lux makes everything all good again and brings all the, the people back from the library and stuff. How smart is Miss Evangelista? Because like, she's clearly got her appearance back to how she was, but like she seemed a lot more, I don't know, I guess confident and self-aware and self assured in that last scene, but we didn't actually hear her talk or say anything. And I'm wondering, did she just like also lose all of that intelligence? Is it, better for her to have lost it because that's more like the real her or is it better for her to you know have kept or have gotten some sort of happy medium what would be preferable i think it's hard to say but seemingly from her demeanor
3: she was back to how she was before but i i think it opens up a can of worms for me too because i had a confusion about how everybody came back in physical form why didn't they come back in physical form Did they, and they were extra copies?
1: Uh, Well, they had said that they were imperfect uh, versions of themselves because they weren't teleported in. They were dead when they got absorbed into the computer system, so maybe it has something to do with that. She said it could have been something as simple as, like, a misplaced
2: decimal, if I recall correctly. And, I mean, I think more of a happy medium happened because clearly Donna's, like, husband in the simulation remembered you know, his feelings for her, or she remembered his feelings for him, it makes sense that, you know, she would know her feeling or her emotions or at least gain something from that. That was a part of her, though it was kind of a glitch.
1: Well, yeah, but then the devastating thing is that she could be looking back and being like, all of these things made so much sense to me and I understood all of them and now I don't understand any of them again. What am I going to do now? Yeah, and how much was the love
3: real, too? Like, did she just uh, lose
2: her soulmate? Is that
3: what happened in this episode? I really hope he comes or, back, even
2: though he probably won't. But that's just like that another like little drop of like woolly comeback. No, he he even not even still, come back? Like, you know, he she was with him for you know seven years in her mind.
3: Yes, yeah, but it's it's it seem seemingly is a lot of you know made up memories too, filling in the gaps. Like feasibly they were interacting to some degree. Maybe she was gleaming. How much of each other were they gleaming through that? Those implanted memories too. It's. I don't know. So I think like how much how much of it was Cal, you know,
1: crafting the situation.
0: I don't think how crafted it at all. I think she say because
1: well, Doctor Moon seemed to craft it to a large extent. I mean, he introduced them kind of
0: true, know, yeah, pushing but, them together, but, set up
1: their first date.
0: But I still think because they had data ghosts trapped in the their consciousness was still trapped in a virtual world i believe that was uploaded to the computer itself which is where we get them from so i believe i truly believe that their entire consciousness is in the computer and so anything that's in their consciousness they would be have full control over not necessarily
1: well yeah, but then like you sit there in their false memories. So you have a you know scene where the the kid's like, "Oh, is it bedtime?" And then suddenly she's tucking the the kid into bed, right? And she says, "Oh, these are all the things that we did for this bedtime." Well, what if you know? If in reality you were in this situation, though that those hours or whatever would have been, you know, horrible. You would have been screaming at each other and the kids and there would have been – but all the memories that got fed into are, are good ones, are pleasant ones. <coughs> and then you've got your other real interactions where everything is relatively, you know, normal and not particularly good, not particularly bad, just ordinary. And then all of your fake memories are phenomenally great. I mean, that could be kind of crafty a situation where you don't really have that. But it definitely seemed like they had a real connection.
0: Also, to go back to Ms. En- uh, Evangelista, I think she actually did retain her intelligence. Because it seemed like the doctor was the one that fixed the computer to for certain errors. But, when, but again, when she walked out, she did not seem to be... She seemed to have that st- same intelligence when she walked out. Yeah, and she she wasn't her characterization was her not not as mis, as Evangelista outside of the computer, but inside the computer.
1: Yeah, I so, got that impression too. But it was, yep, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking.
2: I noticed that we haven't talked about the doctor a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: No. Yeah the the David Tennant put in a performance of his lifetime.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> when, when when they have that scene where they're, like, bickering, and he's just like, you're bickering like an old married couple, and you suddenly I look, look uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, because you, you look at him, you look at his eyes, and he's like, oh my god, are we? <laughs> I looked exact. I looked directly at Michael and was like,
2: oh my god, they really went there. <laughs> I thought that was great, I just, I loved all of the little hints that were dropped. Well, the first time I watched this episode, I was like, okay, it's good, but now that I know who River Song is, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like the handcuff scene, but um, I just thought this episode was amazing, and it almost brought me to tears. It was like a completely different experience watching it, knowing how these characters develop. Like, it's it was crazy.
1: Oh, yeah, and let's talk about the handcuff scene. Man, what a... Uh... Like amazing scene that is. We find out, you know, River told him his name, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how he came to trust her. And then they just have a beautiful moment where he's like, "I need to be the one to do this," and she's like, "No, because then I will never have met you. And don't you dare change that." And you sit there and you go, "Wow." So every other moment, the doctor is going to know how she dies, and yeah, that, that she begged him to not. Change any of it, and he's living her um her wish at least. You yeah, know? I sure. just I never knew that
2: he actually watched her die. Like the first time they interact, he watches her die. That's crazy. I've seen the last episode of River, but I didn't know that this. was like, the first one Well,
1: but here's also the thing is that he find like not only does he watch her die, but he finds out that he will come to love her at least in some capacity, mm-hmm. and. Then he she dies saving his life, which isn't even, like, additional thing landed on it. And then, you know, she dies. And then every, every time he meets her, he must be, like, thinking about it. But is she really dead? You know, is this one where everybody gets saved? I, I Everybody have a, lives. That, that's true. She is in a virtual reality.
3: Yeah, and if, yeah. if Michael's theory holds true, which I think is, like, kind of the, the idea, her consciousness really is there and, and is living on. And I'm still not convinced. I mean, he, it seemed like you know, as, as far as we can tell, that's that's the river we know and love. Mm-hmm. Why can't she be downloaded? Why well, can't any of them be downloaded? And well, and even if they even if they can't, are they having a rich and full experience, or are they you know in this dream state tripping over you know each other from second to second? Is you know? it
1: forever, or is it a limited time? Probably, however long the computer lasts.
2: I mean, once the computer shuts down, I would imagine that everything inside it would shut down. It'd be cool if, like, not cool, I guess kind of stupid, if, like, a later version of Doctor, like, the 14th or the 15th Doctor, goes back to, like, the library and just, like, saves the hard drive and puts it somewhere else. It's a stupid idea. It seems like more like a 13th Doctor endeavor.
1: Yeah, they've, they've already closed up that loop, though. In a later episode, they they close it up, but I won't say more than that. Okay.
3: I don't know. I think in Doctor <laughs> Who, you can anything is pretty much possible. They've done a lot of things yeah. in the timeline that they probably shouldn't have done.
0: I think the greatest scene for David Tennant was actually when he when he shows his presence to the Vastar Narada. and he Ooh. actually yeah. tells them, "We're in the biggest library." in the universe look me look, up yep look me up and, and the
2: second that happened and they were all just like they retreat
0: like- <laughs> away run away run away so they're running away from the doctor versus the doctor running away from them and I think I think that scene kind of defines David Tennant's doctor a little bit more solidly and really kind of Let's you sink in. This guy means business, and this guy is definitely the Doctor. And it
1: also shows the impact that the Doctors had up to this point. Because, like, that's how he got his whole reputation, and it just kind of, you know, gives a nod to everyone who came before him, too. Exactly. And it was also, like, River was telling everyone, like, that's not, like, my Doctor, that's
2: not the Doctor I know. Basically calling him, like, you know, a baby. But I feel like he really grew up real quick. From how he started out in the beginning of the episode.
0: Well, that that shows or that is shown in the fact that he can now snap his fingers and open the TARDIS. Exactly. Door. Like well, it was a
1: growth. All, although episode. although the real question though is, I mean, like could he have always yeah. done that and he just didn't know until River told him that he that's could do it? That's what I registered. That because like I feel like that's just the TARDIS choosing to open its doors for him because, you know, the Tardis they have this, yeah, they have this sort of relationship. Um sexy. So like you know, I wonder at what point in time it developed to where he actually could have done it if he'd tried. Maybe, but I mean, I think, or maybe the
0: TARDIS just knows when the time is when he grows up and, and, and kind of develops
2: a little bit more in his own character. Maybe he needed to assert himself in the way he did to kind of establish, like, I am the Doctor, fear me. And that's when the TARDIS was like, ooh, I'm kind of turned on by this. Let me just <laughs> snap my fingers and my doors open up, you know?
0: It's <laughs> an interesting way to look at it
1: so versus TARDIS so probably would have been like TARDIS reacted like that and was like I better get that guy to steal me so in like several hundred years dude <laughs> Tardis, she's a man getter
0: well especially a doctor getter
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh definitely um we also had some side characters that unfortunately passed away and I think Anita deserves a mention here because oh, she she was... almost lasted the whole episode and
1: I, I didn't I,
2: think she would go, honestly. I know, and then she was and she was, like and the doctor said she was gone. brave even when she was crying. The thing is when yeah. he when she was standing there talking to the doctor during that last moment she was alive, I was purposely keeping an eye on the green thing on their neck.
3: I mean you sh- you had to have known as soon as the tint c- came. Just for a plot device it would have to be <laughs> something like that. I was
1: that just, it was positive you
3: mean? Yeah, that, you know, it was gonna be a, a point in time where already
1: dead.
0: I didn't think that when I first saw it. I thought Same. the Doctor had actually saved her because I of that too. I thought the
1: Doctor would be able to save her. Um,
0: but obviously it was kind of cool though that the Vastor Narada were not so easily fooled and they were able to take over when they w- chose to. Which it makes them a little bit more evil in that regard.
1: Or maybe they were fooled for a while and then figured it out.
0: That's true. They could have it could have taken them some time. It was. I mean that would give a little bit more a little more credit to the doctor's
3: intelligence. Yeah. It seems well, like it took them some time to understand, you know, the speech functions.
1: It is. And then you pointed out an interesting thing, Colin, while we were watching it, that when the doctor drops out of the trap door, the, the two, you know, Vashnarada-filled suits are, like, looked down. And it's like, why would they have to look down? And then we even see later that while they're standing there talking to the doctor and reaching out with shadows – they're able to presumably other shadows are out looking at all of the books and then coming back and reporting or they have a mental link or something because they figure it all out without leaving i think it's super eerie that you know this entire
2: episode they were there because of these books because that was like you know their home it kind of reminded me of that whole argument where you know, meat eaters attack vegans, being like,
1: well, plants have feelings too. And in this episode, they kind of do. To be um, honest, even the first time I watched steps, like, I dismissed the, the thought, like, immediately, but, like, when he, like, it- In Silence the Library, at the very beginning of it, he's like, oh, yeah, all these books were specially printed for here. And my thought, I was just thinking, man, they must have cut down so many trees for that. And then I was just kind of like, "Okay, well, whatever. It's a story and like moved on with it. But then that ended up being the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Shelby, she's smart. We love her.
3: Maybe it's definitely a green episode. Over, do not over-log, for some logs are haunted.
2: Is <laughs> your Kindle.
0: I should point out a continuity thing with this episode, is that um, River Song has the square gun. And that square gun is indeed the same square gun that Captain Jack used in and um, the... Uh, I think it's the Dr. Dances... The yeah. second, the very beginning of that, mm-hmm. it's the same one because apparently and Stephen Moffat had suggested that he left it on board the TARDIS uh, during the Parting of Ways. Oh,
1: that! So it's literally the same. It's gun.
0: literally the same. Oh, see, gun. I was just
1: thinking it was because they were in the same century, which they are actually. They're both. They are. Yeah, he's from the fifty-first century, and they're in the fifty-first century in this episode.
0: But but it's supposed to be Captain Jack's because apparently River ta- takes it when she finds it in the TARDIS. Yeah, that makes sense. 'Cause Jack did kinda have to leave everything behind. He was he was a companion and then all of a sudden he was just kinda left behind. So.
1: Man, I now just really wanna see a Doctor River Jack episode.
0: I think everybody wants to see a Doctor River Jack <laughs> we
1: episode. I never will.
2: And then Jack's just gonna be so um jealous. <laughs> oh yeah, I wonder how that would be. Like would he actually introduce himself? Maybe he shouldn't. Uh, to River? Yeah, because you know how the doctor gets triggered when he says hello. I don't I mean, know. Who are you? I feel like that would just encourage. him. <laughs> I mean, I'm down to see what happens between them after dark.
3: I'm in. All right. Well, what do you guys uh, think about this episode? Should we maybe uh, get to the the rating section of the of
1: the podcast? I'll go first. Okay. I thought this episode was phenomenal. Blew my mind when I first watched it, and I—it's still like every time I watch it, it's still phenomenal in different ways. It's the heart-wrenching, the whole emotional arcs that go through here—the thing with with Donna and Lee, and the thing, of course, with the Doctor and and, River—and just all the way through, it's gripping. And then the plot really comes together beautifully um, to, as Colin mentioned, create a really—you know—a lot of intellectual you know philosophical questions about you know how it works and it all made perfect sense when you know that you know this whole this little girl has been the computer the whole time and you see that in the whole way that the the entire place functions and it It was done. It was executed really well. It was acted really well. It was written really well. I thought that this was great. I'm going to beat Michael to the punch here and say I even actually noticed the music at one point during this and (laughs) thought it was great. Um, uh, I'm going to give this episode a 10 out of 10. I'll go second this time. Whoa!
0: <laughs> we all were mind blown. Wow. I don't think I've ever gone second. I've gone no. first, but I've never gone second. He's but growing. Totally different. Or shrinking. Um, but-
1: oh, it's just like David did in the episode. There's some personal growth. <laughs> oh, oh my
0: God, Michael. He's
2: growing
1: with this show. Ooh, try snapping so your proud. fingers and see if anything opens.
3: Michael is oh. a dynamic character. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate. Um, it's
0: better
2: than me do doing my fly.
0: I mean, let me, let's put it this way. Shelby kind of said it all. Even the actors, the children actors in this. And children actors are very hard to find some decent ones. But the, even the smallest kids in this episode were so good at acting in this. they, they You actually felt for them. Are we really real,
2: Mommy? Oh, I
0: mean, that was God. kind of, that was really well done. Um, and then, of course, um, Cal is really well done acted out by, um, the actress who played her. I'm not quite sure who she was. Oh, well. At any rate, um, oh, Eve Newton played her. Uh, but yeah, she's, everything just came together, and Stephen Moffat, I think before he took over as showrunner, usually had some of the best episodes in, that you could of all time, um, including all the classic era, in my opinion, I think he had a great way of getting these more convoluted plot lines, but he was able to bring them all together in the end in a very satisfying way. It ha- I did notice a very obvious connection between The Doctor Dances and Forest of the Dead, is that everybody lives. That is the same theme that he had in his first two-parter. He's continued it here, and I think that is a very successful, winning ending, for any science fiction show because typically you've got at least a red-shirted person that's not going to live. <laughs> um, yes, not to Star Trek. Um, and, and in this case, everybody technically lives, even though some of them are downloaded to a computer. They still have their conscious. Or uploaded. You know, to, um, they, <laughs> they still have their conscious. So, um, I mean, there's not much else to say about this. You said everything.
2: 10 out of 10. Well, I'll go next. And because you just said it and it's fresh, I really loved how... Um, well, it wasn't the doctor that said it, but it was the river that said everybody lives. Because the first doctor that I ever watched was um, the ninth doctor, right? And the episode that stuck with me was the whole empty child two-parter. And that's pretty much how that ended. So to see... David Tennant, someone who wasn't one of my favorite doctors, like, kind of relived that feeling in this story in pretty much the same exact way. It just melted my heart, and I'll have to admit, it was it's this episode where I think that I have a newfound love for David Tennant because um, he was a little bit hard-headed, and he did have the right to be. Imagine being told, oh, I know your real name. I have your same Sonic, and someone, like, basically, like, who are you and how do you know me kind of thing. But at the same time, you're a time traveler. Like, you have to expect that these things are going to happen. So that's where I thought the hard-headedness kind of meant that he was being a little hard-headed. And I kind of liked that, weirdly enough, as yeah, we Yeah, he's, he's flawed. Yeah, he's flawed. That's what I like about doctors. They're not perfect and they're not not super bubbly all the time. They can get confused. They can sometimes do wrong or right or however you define it. I just think that moment really did strike something in me and just made me really feel like, okay, this is like my doc, cause my doctor's a nine doctor, but like, this is like my doctor, you know, but just grown and it's him maturing and him, you know, just going through existence. And I think that's kind of what I needed to realize when it comes to appreciating the doctor that came after my first, it's not the same, but they have the same kind of values that went on a little bit more than I kind of hoped it would. But there you go. My little heartfelt moment. Um, I thought this episode was brilliantly crafted. I love the characters. I love how they build the story. I love how they waited to the last second to tell us what even was going on and gave us a good little side plot, even though it kind of wasn't a side plot. I'll stop talking. I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10, which isn't common for me, but I just, I loved everything about this episode. Like everything. It was, it was awesome.
3: Woo. Come Colin. All right, the grand finale. It's me to wrap it all up. The first, maybe only time that this could happen. So I'm going to milk it for all it's worth.
1: It. <laughs> now, no, I won't, I won't it.
3: belabor it for too, too long because you Morgan. all have said a lot of things that I would echo and agree with. This, by uh, all objective standards, in many ways is a wondrous episode. It really inspires wonder. Um... You have a lot of different philosophical points just coming in with, you know, uh, I think this this interesting bend of like uh, truthfulness, you know, potentially being un, uh, tied or, or coupled to being unloved or, you know, lacking joy, you know, in, in some greater sense. I thought that was really interesting to think about. Um, I really loved, you know, the whole matrix of it all, thinking about how memories are formed, you know, how, how this could be me, how it could be you or all of us. Um, and there's just a lot to think about coming away from this episode. You know, you don't know all of the stakes, you know, just because of that and how the setup is. I still have more questions. And this is why, you know, it's really fulfilling what I was missing in the last episode that couldn't get me, you know, to attend. Um, but, you know, there's great character development here. Um, I really loved how the Doctor, uh, played out with, with, uh, with River as well. I loved Donna's story arc when she was in... Um, in the the Matrix, within Cal. And I loved, you know, the, the Cal touchpoint as well. And, you know, the monster of the week held true to what, how it should be, got a little bit more interesting in this episode as well. Um, and it was just a really nice fluid progression from the last episode to this one to really knock it out of the park. All of that being said, I will only have to rate this episode a 10 out of 10.
2: I do have a small question, though. Okay. So you know how, you know, their faces, when they were saved, were put on those little egg things?
1: hmm
2: Like, where... Okay, so, Colin. Hello. Imagine, I rip your face off, put it on a giant egg, you're just a faceless body. Kind of how, like, the kids were sculpting Donna without a face. So I'm kind of like, did they see Donna as not having a face and just had, like, a faceless Mother, when did she acquire her face back? Does that mean that there's no, no more? I think I think it's all
3: digital there. I, I think that was just the interface into the real world. Like maybe even those little stone shapes were were birthing the people, you I, know, I, as they came back after being saved.
1: I think that the um, the kids were, and we saw it most strongly towards the end of the episode when they were just like, just admit it, we're not real, are we? You know, they're kind of Donna's subconscious a little bit. Is like. Fed, like feeds their personalities or in their words to an extent so I think that that was part of her like subconscious trying to warn her and saying there's something wrong there's something wrong pay attention and it came out in the form of things like when she would get confused and Dr. Moon would try to correct her or when the kids brought out the clay figure and it didn't have a face I mean that really Bothered her and clearly didn't bother anyone else. And it was, it seemed to be her mind trying to warn her.
0: But Jace could be onto something because they did create figures without faces. So maybe the kids actually see everybody faceless because their faces are on the interface out. about so maybe they don't it's not like they're missing it's just that they don't they can't visualize what their faces are
2: and that's also confusing Mm -hmm. because Madonna's husband was there as her husband but he also like actually existed like why couldn't they get kids that actually existed why wasn't there an entire singular world or maybe there was a singular world in which all of these 4,000 people existed and if that well they clearly did because of that one chick with the black thing Mm -hmm. some intersections at least Yeah, I'm just now questioning that whole, like, egg face thing and, you know, her having kids, like, did they be real kids, were they fake kids, how much people in the, and that was, like, real or fake. Lots of questions. I I'm, I'm sorry. No, it's mean all those egg things disappear? Maybe they weren't interacting.
3: Maybe they, the AI was just borrowing what it already knew and had downloaded from other people, inserting them into other people's individual fake realities.
2: Okay, so everyone kind of had their ideal world. So where Donna was like, oh, or the kids were like, oh, I'm tired. They went to sleep. Or every time Donna was with the husband, is that what the husband saw on his part? Was his life based on her? Was her life based on his? Or was Donna never really there, but an idea of Donna existed in his world, so the world kind of molded around him. Does that make well, sense? definitely had I some think sort of speech
3: pathology in the real world and that held true in the virtual I, reality.
1: I, I think that Cause. it's... uh I think they were genuinely interacting in it. I think that it was not partitioned off into individual ones. It seemed like they actually were because we even saw Cal getting very upset about some of the interactions that were happening. So clearly, you know she wasn't recreating it elsewhere. That would be something she could have more control over, presumably. Um, I think that the, I think that the things with the, with the faces were maybe the weakest part of the episode in, or the two parter. And in a lot of ways, actually, because I, I just thought, you know, they didn't really make a whole lot of sense. I think that their biggest value was at, you know, the end of silence in the library where we see Donna's face, show up on it and it's well, really scary. they needed scary. some way to tell right. them they, Donna's you know. gone and I, I, Exactly. Creepy. So like that was, that was clearly creepy. the plot device for that and that as a plot device for that that it worked. It was very effective but creepy too, like though. the way that they described yeah. them with you know and we talked about it last time but like you know the It's not actually a person's physical face. It can't be the way that things are constructed if they're going to pop up different faces at different times. It has to be. It's got some sort of you know organic or organic-looking compound there that it's able to project out a person's face that has stored in its database. So it's still a computerized rendition of the person. Another thing we
0: forgot to mention, just changing the subject slightly, was the doctor's very intelligent, smart, maneuver when he realized that the sonic screwdriver that river song had had a purpose and he realized that it was his future self doctor number 12 who saving gave saving her saving her Ugh. in the end and so it's and that was kind of a oh wow the doctor's really got his his marbles in this episode he re, that 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 kind of aha moment was perfect but i also had to mention the, the, the director did a perfect job when, when you see the Tenth Doctor looking out at where River Song's body was and just not moving an inch. And the face that David Tennant had and the amount of energy that he had for that one part... As the camera just keeps scrolling back oh, and scrolling yeah. back and scrolling back. Now some people have made fun of it because the, the doc, because David Tennant sometimes makes that face in other episodes. But I think that. Oh,
1: I thought it was it was really heart wrenching. It, it was very yes. well done. Like yes. imagine
2: seeing someone that you don't know, but you also know that you love die. Like how do you even fathom that feeling? You can't.
0: No, you can't. And he had already established a relationship with her just in this episode. Yeah. Because he hadn't met her yet, but now that he had met her and he understood that she was something, someone very important to, her, to him,
1: yeah. I know. And to then he will get to grieve throughout the moment. course of
2: his relationship with her. I will never be able to watch any future Who and not think about the fact that he knows exactly when and how she will die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not die, but, you know, die.
1: Yeah,
3: I mean, I'm not convinced that she's dead. I mean, I don't see why she can't just come out of the computer and they can walk off and do something the next day.
2: I mean, that's Doctor Who for you.
3: Um, two
1: news I and mean, all stories. the other
2: thousands of people did it. I know that's what I was thinking too. But I'm like, that's how Doctor Who is. That's but how we're gonna leave but it.
1: their uh, presumably their physical forms were in some way also saved, and maybe it didn't have the material to construct another person or something.
3: It sounds like we Could can be. you know put you know some flesh donations. You know, yeah, into I don't donate some Flesh for my work. River Song doesn't seem like outside of the doctor's capabilities, <laughs> I and mean, maybe he doesn't have the time.
2: Uh Did that inspire that one epi- episode where there wasn't, like, any doctor and it was that one guy and his, like, Doctor Who fan group and they had that, like, tile?
1: Um, I, well, I mean, that one came first. Oh, it did? Okay, so I'm not spoiling anything. Cool. Yeah. Same Monster. feeling there. Yeah. 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 That episode was already bad and then they ruined it. it further with that thing, yeah. That, that was like, not the it icing on the cake, bad. but
2: negative icing on the cake. I, I Anything that's bad will make it worse. Yeah. I thought the absorbal off was the worst thing in that thing. Uh, it, 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 was, it was all terrible, but... I thought the talking, you know what, kind of... It's not the best. All right. Well,
3: thank you for uh listening to our extended podcast this week. Actually, we'll be back.
0: Before, before we conti- Before we end... Oh, my end, gosh. More whoa. extensions. One, well, one more small extension is that... I wanted to make sure that everybody out there had heard the news, and it's a little bit concerning for a lot of Doctor Who fans. So you've probably heard it by now. But I thought you are... were going
2: to say that I'm getting a new baby bird.
0: No, <laughs> there are two. There are two news stories that have come up that that we do have to sadly
2: announce, and one of which we don't have to. We could choose. But... Not to. <laughs> yeah, Michael has to, or else he's going to go crazy. <laughs> He's gonna regret it. He's gonna email you, being like, "Listen, I recorded this. Put it in the podcast." No, it's okay.
1: He already told me the, the news. It's, it's significant
2: in the fact oh, that
0: the Funko Pop has dropped their Doctor Who license. They officially? will no longer officially. You
2: didn't even tell me this.
0: There is no longer what going on to earth, be Michael? any more Funko Pops well, you told made just from Doctor now. Who. Does that mean they're all worth twice as much today? They're going. Yeah, they're 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 really going up in price. The other problem, and the, the other thing is is that they're starting to pull them off of their shelf. They're going to start pulling all the Funko Pop Doctor Who stuff off the shelves pretty soon. Um, the other sad news that's really important, and this could have an impact on the series itself, is that Titan Comics, who have done the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, war, 4th, 7th, and 3rd Doctor Comics.
1: That was a weird order.
0: Yeah, it was weird, or it just got wrong <laughs> in my head. And now the Thirteenth Doctor Comics is dropping all of their Doctor Who licenses and will no longer do any Doctor Who comics. Say what? That nice. unfo- and that is huge because that means obviously sales are down.
1: So comic book makers out there, there's a vacuum in the market. Don't I know. Buy. Ready? Go. <laughs>
3: Netflix,
1: <laughs> take up the do- that, take up know, Doctor
3: Who, bring it back.
0: Um, yeah. Or maybe we just need to bring back Matt Smith, uh, David Tennant, and Cody. I was Dana about Capaldi. to say, maybe we can bring know. back
3: someone else. <laughs> yeah, is this, a ref- is this a, an increase in licensing prices from the BBC? Or is this saying that they have less, you know, confidence in the future of Doctor Who based on what we've been seeing in more recent times? I don't know. All I know
0: is that we have to hit, we have to kind of run with these punches, and hopefully it does not impact us further.
3: Yeah, and, and hopefully the series won't just go into the future and be known as Dr. Pooh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: any rate, on that note, we will now say goodbye. Have a good night, you all. Bye! Bye! Bye. Bye.